They say talk is cheap, so let's add some value to your voice. It's Targeted Impressions with Scott Cody. So how many of you knew exactly what you wanted to be when you grew up? Astronaut, actor, whatever. And then how many of you are actually doing what it is you wanted to do when you were little? Well, our guest today knew very early what he wanted to be. And a matter of fact, on one of his first dates with his wife-to-be, he told her, quote, I'm going to be the CEO of a credit union by the time I'm 30. And guess what? He's the CEO of a credit union by the time he was 30. Our inaugural guest on the Targeted Impressions podcast, the CEO of on Path Federal Credit Union, Jared Freeman. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe you know that story. <laughs> I listen. I listen with intention as well, man. I'm always trying to pick up little nuggets here and there. So uh, now Jared and I have known each other now for about three years, actually. Um, he is probably the driving force behind this podcast, really. Um, so not to get too in the weeds, but uh, the the podcast is a product of 3131 Media Solutions. We're an advertising agency that is a subsidiary of On Path Federal Credit Union. Jared's idea, and he uh, allowed me to kind of take this and run with it, and uh, maybe phase three of this project is this podcast. We're pretty excited, so it was a natural choice for you to be the the first guest. So we'll talk about it then. So you knew from a, an early age about wanting to be in the credit union. How how does how does one know about a credit union at such an early age? Yeah, you know, I will say that um, when I was a kid, I certainly didn't know what a credit union was, um, but I had a really cool opportunity in high school to go work at a credit union as part of a high school private business collaboration where you left school early, went to go work, you got graded on your work performance on all those things. And they randomly placed me at a small credit union in my hometown in Alabama. And, you know, I, I liked money, but I didn't really know what a credit union was at that time. But I instantly fell in love with uh, the business model of people helping people, serving the underserved, uh, focusing you know, specifically on underbanked or underserved communities uh, just became a delight. And, you know, I grew up in a household where money was a stressor, like so many others. And I, I saw the people coming in the branch every day stressed about money. Right. I was very familiar with that. And it was my job to help them. And I really, really enjoyed that. And so it didn't take me long at all when I started that job at 16 years old uh, to quickly realize, hey, this is something I could do forever and uh, never, never strayed away from that. So you talk about, um, you know, learning once you got into that, understand, but you could have done bank, you could have done finance. What, what, I mean, you talked about the, the kind of the, the role of what a credit union does, but there's, I, there's not a lot of people I think that start off that young and realize I'm not going to do any of this stuff. It's right here. Yeah. You know, I think I knew enough, even at that age, to identify that there was something special about this credit union world, uh, that it was different than a bank, you know, that the mindset was different. The goal is literally different. I mean, the reason we are a not-for-profit cooperative is so that we can do the right thing no matter what. And, you know, how, how nice is it when you can lay your head down at night, having worked your tail off all day? Um, but feeling really good about what you do uh, and, and had fun and made money along the way, too. I mean, I think I don't think they're mutually exclusive. You can you can do all three. So talk about your journey. Then you became a CEO by the age of 30. That was your stated goal. How do you how does one go about doing that? You have to have some intentionality in order yeah, for that to happen. Um, you know, I'll say this. Uh, I, I've never, in my opinion, been the smartest person in the room. Uh, I did make good grades in school. 
but I think that was more of a product of I just did what the teacher told me to do. <laughs> you know, I did the homework. That's all it takes. Huh? I did Man, the homework that's, that's what I always did wrong. I okay. did the projects. I showed up for class. Um, I, I definitely think there were people, people in my classroom smarter than me. I think there's people in this industry a whole lot smarter than me. But I will tell you, I also identified that there there was a line somewhere that people weren't willing to cross as far as how hard they were going to work, how many hours they were going to put in, um, you know, how much dedication they were going to have. And I quickly, really, really young, identified that line and said, I just got to beat that line. I got to go past that line as far as dedication, as far as how hard I'm willing to work towards this thing. And man, I can do anything in this industry. And, and I don't mean that to belittle you know, my, my colleagues and my peers out there in the credit union space. But uh, that's really where I set my eyes. I had a wonderful mentor uh, early on in my first credit union where I worked for 10 years. And, you know, he let me make mistakes, which was which was nice. Um, probably looking back, he let me do things I really had no business doing, to be honest. Uh, but he let me run with it. And I definitely didn't know. I didn't even know the the slogan fail fast, you know, in, in right. leadership that people talk. I didn't even know that slogan back then, but I did it right. You know, it just it was intuitive almost. And so I made a ton of mistakes, but I learned from them. I worked really, really hard and I was honest with him about my goals. Hey, dude, I want your job. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to be CEO one day. And he wasn't threatened by that. And he really e equipped me and trained me and mentored me and helped me do that. Uh, and so I was there at that credit union from 16 to 26. And then at the age of 27, became CEO of my very first credit union. 27. So you, before 30. Well, talk about the, the importance of that, of mentorship. And how are you kind of giving back in that? I mean, usually, and, and again, what, 34, 35 years old? 35. Right? Yep. 35. Um, there's not a lot of 35-year-old mentors out there. But you've, you put yourself in a position to do it. How, how do you kind of... Feel that out. You know, I will say I've struggled with that for a couple of years because I acknowledge that I had great mentors, uh, some of which, by the way, weren't all that much older than me either. But, you know, I, I wanted to give back. I wanted to pay it forward, if you will. But how, who, who's going to listen to the 35 year old? Right. <laughs> that was that was really my mindset. And so uh, I really struggled with that. But I but I have identified and realized uh, I have sort of intuitively been doing it the last couple of years. And I think on path has really because of our success because of our growth you know having companies like 3131 media starting our own 501c3 foundation the on path foundation different things like that have given me opportunities to hire people train people put people in, in positions of leadership and authority um or you know maybe maybe they weren't even ready yet but they were going to be ready one day and um and so I would say it's a work in progress. I, I definitely want to be more intentional about that um, going forward. But but I think I have done it in in some ways uh, already. But it's something that's very top of mind for me, especially the next couple of years as OnPath is just you know continue to grow and have so much success. I want to I want to be able to focus on that more. So that's a great segue. So targeted impressions. The stated goal of this is about intentional communication. So. You, you made the point. There's not a lot of people that want to listen to a 34 year old, you know, mentor. How did you? How do you shape that conversation and be intentional about it so that it has value on both ends? Yeah, I think you know, either again, just in, intuitively, or maybe learned through mentors over the years. But um, I've always just been very candid, and uh, I will say that. Uh, for some people, that's probably off-putting at first. Um, I have certainly had a mentor 
um, that was way more candid than me to the point where even I felt uncomfortable in, in a meeting. But, um, you know, I, I think it, it, it has more pros than it has cons. And when you're really, really candid and transparent with people and, and you show people that you're not perfect, uh, that you're willing to take a risk and you're willing to fail even and admit when you fail, I think you build a lot of goodwill. You build a lot of trust and people appreciate that. They like the fact that you're a human that you can make mistakes and then you can learn from them and, and, and move on. Um, so that's, that's kind of been my approach. And I think, I think more than not, that really draws people in and motivates people and inspires people. Um, you know, certainly there's been times over the years where that's probably put people off too, but, uh, I think more, more often than not, it has really, uh, um, you know, built a good level of trust, uh, between myself and those that I work with. What's the tough professionally? What's the toughest conversation you've ever had? Oh gosh, um, I don't know if you have enough time on this podcast. <laughs> I got all the time in the world, by the way. I mean, I'm only trying to get out of here and go hunting, though. So, uh. yeah. So, um, so I will say this: I had an employee. I was CEO of my very first credit union. So this has been, you know, gosh, eight years ago now. Um, who who knows? Maybe one day we'll listen to this podcast. Um, we're still friends, and so. Um, one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Um, brilliant. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, but one of the most disruptive employees I've ever, ever had. And, you know, I put up with it to a point that it cost the company money. And I don't mean like bottom line earnings. I mean, good, good talent leaving or bad decisions were made or, um, you know, opportunity costs, if you will. And so I finally worked up the courage to have a conversation with this person and it didn't go well. <laughs> it didn't go well at all. And, um, you know, and I fired her and it was hard because on paper she did all the right things, you know, reports were turned in on time and evaluations were done of her staff and, you know, contracts, this, that, and the other, like all, all the documented, if you will, things were done as they should be on paper. She was the perfect employee. But in reality, she rubbed everyone the wrong way and, um, you, you know, just created this huge tension in the office. And so it had to be dealt with. And part of being a good leader, by the way, is, is having hard conversations and, and, and doing those things so that you can take care of all of your staff. And so I fired her and um, it, it was ugly and um, that was terrible. And then two, two years later, I saw her at an industry trade show, credit union trade show. And she ran up to me and gave me a hug. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this what, what's about to happen? You know, what is this? And, you know, she was like, I was really pissed at you for about a year. Like, I really hated you. I was like, yeah, but that tracks. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you yeah. were. And she's like, but it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, I, I moved to a different city. Uh, my family's incredibly happy. I have an even better job. I make more money. I'm more successful. And I learned a lot. And so thank you. Did you have the idea that when you started this conversation with her that you were going to let her go or it evolved into that as the conversation it was certainly on? it was certainly going to be option A or option B and, yeah. and letting her go was one of those two options. And I was going to let her dictate that. And, you know, unfortunately, it, it went it went option B. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm happy to say that she's very successful today and in a career and a job that she's absolutely loves and is good at. You talked about kind of being candid. I think that kind of goes to decisiveness, decisiveness too, a little bit, right? 
but you know, one of the core values at on path is empathy. So talk about that balance. How do you, how do you balance yeah. empathy with being decisive? So I, I think in our culture today, people assume that being nice, um, is totally void of holding people accountable. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive at all. In fact, I think part of being nice, if you will, being empathetic is understanding where people are coming from, but not letting them stay there. You know, just because someone's in a bad way um, doesn't mean we should and could, but should let them stay in that bad way. You know, we have a core value of empathy here at OnPath and we, we call our frontline financial advocates for a very specific reason. And that's because we want them to advocate on behalf of the member. And so what that really means is, hey, something didn't go your way financially or whatever the case may be, but we like you too much to let you stay there. And so we're going to help promote your life, promote your finances, clean up whatever mess there may be, or put you in a better situation or a better account, whatever the case may be. And so I think it's all in how you look at it. You know, I I always say this around here and I'm sure some people take it seriously. Some people may roll their eyes, but um, I, I like to say the kindest thing that you can do is tell someone when they're not meeting expectations. And so, um, you know, I think that is being empathetic. You, you, you may go into a conversation and say, hey, what's going on? Is there something in your personal life maybe holding you back that, you know, distracting you here at the office or whatever the case may be? And, you know, they may tell you no or they may tell you yes. And, and that dictates how that conversation goes. But um, but then you say, hey, I, I understand or I empathize with where you're coming from. And I'm really, really sorry that's happening to you. But at the same time, here at On Path, we owe it to our members to do the best every single day. And so we got to figure this out. And, you know, I think, uh, unfortunately, that's becoming less common in our culture today. But I will tell you that I am a part of a tremendous amount of professional organizations and groups and networking organizations that um, they're really trying to work against that. Uh, they're, they're, they're almost becoming the counterculture, if you will, you know, of, no, we, we need to tell people the truth. We need to uh, hold people accountable. We need to um, have high standards and high expectations. And that doesn't mean we're not nice people, right? The, the two can go together. And so, um, you know, I don't know that I wanted to be known for that, but I think I have become probably known for that over, over the last couple of years. And, and, if, and if so, I'm okay with it. You know, they say don't ask a question that you don't know the answer to, but, I, but I'm going to do this. It comes with a story. So the the name of our advertising agency, 3131 Media, that's a whole different podcast, separate podcast of, of how we got to that name. But I remember um, as we were getting down the, the road of trying to figure out what we were going to name this thing, we came up with 3131 Media, which is actually the address of OnPath's uh, headquarters, yeah. where we are right. right here. And as you had to go in front of the board to get permission to to fund this new endeavor. I told you about the name and, and I had a, a story behind it. It's if, for those of you who aren't in this area, we're located on I-10, which is the main, you know, interstate that cuts through Metairie. And then there's a big 24 mile lake that's in the middle of our market. And there's the Causeway Boulevard. So I-10 and Causeway is right where we're at the intersection of very, very heavily trafficked. And I, I said, we're going to call it 3131 Media because we're in the center of what's going on. You've got <laughs> New Orleans to the left. You've got the River Parishes to the right. You've got, you know, the coast to the to the north or to the south. And, and I go on this and I remember your your quote was, good God, you marketing guys love to come up with a lot of BS. Don't you remember that story? 
I do. And so, I, do. <laughs> and so I, I tell this story, though. So then we move into the building and we go up to the roof. There's a rooftop that we have access That's to. Right. We were shooting some videos up there. And I'm, I'm watching you and you're just kind of looking around and you go, wow, we really are right in the middle of everything. <laughs> and I thought I had some good validation on that. So, yeah. You know, I never <laughs> I never claimed to be right all the time, but uh, that was definitely that was definitely one. I, I remember telling the board of our credit union, you know, again, because 3131 is is owned by the credit union. Hey, we're going to we're going to start this QSO and we're going to call it 3131 Media. And uh, the looks on their faces were like, boy, how much do I like you? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had we expanded a little political capital that day, but I think it's truly lived up to its name and I'm glad we did. So uh, good. And, and QSO, by the way, for those of you who don't know, credit union service organization didn't want anyone to get uh um, confused what that was. But so I asked this, how quickly, because you were wrong in that case with your, your BS <laughs> meter was wrong, but how quickly do you honestly feel that you can pick up when someone's feeding you a line? You know, I think this is uh, in our business, there's so much art and there's so much science behind everything. And I will say in this case, I definitely lean towards the art side of, of the argument. Uh, I, I don't know that it's something um, that everybody is born with. Um, and this is a podcast. So I'm definitely going to watch my language. But, you know, my dad had a saying growing up, you can't BS a BSer. Yeah. And um, I think that that art, if you will, <laughs> is just part of my DNA. And so um, I got that honestly from my dad, I, I do believe. And so I, I will say that in most cases, I can probably pick up on someone who's who's giving me a load of crap pretty quick, uh, pretty, pretty quick. And, you know, again, I think there's there's art and science to it all. And I'm sure I've been wrong many times uh, in, in those circumstances. But more often than not, my intuition serves me well. That's a, I like that. The, there's an art and then there's a science behind it. So you you speak in front of large groups. You speak in front of, of smaller groups. You speak in front of C-level folks. What is the one thing that you do before you go into a speech or a presentation every time? <laughs> You're not going to like this answer. Um, I don't think about it, honestly. Um, I enjoy what I do. It's not an act for me. I don't have to think about um, what I do for a living. I don't have to think about what OnPath does every single day, the, the, the role that we play in the community and for our members. I live it. It's part of who I am. It's been part of who I am since I was 16 years old. Uh, and so I truly don't think about it. You know, I know our mission. I know our goal. I get up there and I just do it. <laughs> and I know that's probably not a very scientific answer. Do, do but you talk the same? You, you don't talk the same when you're in your seat. No, of course. Of course. You, you, you always identify, you know, who you're speaking to and what the goal is. And usually if you if you know who your audience is and you know what you're trying to achieve, right, what what is the goal of this event? What is the goal of this commercial? What is the goal of this speaking engagement? Um, you, you just marry the two. And for me, again, I just really love what I do. And so I usually do best if I just get on stage or, or whatever the case may be and speak frankly. I, I, I can see that. You've, you've done that. Well, look, uh, what we always want to do when we have the guests on here, tell us what's going on, what's new with On Path. Um, you guys have been in the news. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we like to do a lot at, at the same time around here. And so, um, you know, we've had a very, very exciting year in 2023. 
Uh, we've grown tremendously. We, we, of course, we have a new corporate office we've had now for a couple of years. We had that ribbon cutting actually last night because we finished some renovations and things. Really proud of uh, a, des- a designation that we got called Juntos Avanzamos, uh, which is Spanish for Together We Advance. And it, it, it really has to do with our commitment to the Spanish-speaking, specifically immigrant communities here in the Greater New Orleans area, which is a very fast-growing group of people. And so we had to pour a lot of resources into being able to obtain this certification to serve this community better. So really excited about that. So we achieved that this year. And then, of course, our, our biggest news uh, just this past week here in December, uh, of course, we, we went public with our intention to merge with Louisiana Federal Credit Union which is an 88-year-old credit union based in the Plaza, Louisiana, serving a lot of the River Parishes area of Louisiana. A wonderful, wonderful shop. Uh, the CEO, Rhonda Hotar, and I have become fast friends. Just an incredible leader. Uh, been there over 30 years. Incredible board. And so really, really excited about that partnership. It truly is two, two very healthy, financially strong credit unions coming together to do what's best for our now 90,000 members here in the greater New Orleans area. And so couldn't be more excited about that. What a way to end a year like 2023 uh, with, with announcing this partnership. So I was fortunate to get to uh, be around and, and meet and get to know Rhonda, Rhonda Hotard a lot. Um, what I've got to get you now on, because I got her on to Scotch Old Fashioned. She loves them. <laughs> I can't get you on the Scotch yeah. Old Fashioned. You're still more of the, the, uh, the margarita I, I, I'm the tequila guy. Yeah. yeah, you know. So I will I will say um, if it's really cold and there's a fire, maybe. But uh, here in South Louisiana, <laughs> yeah, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen very often. And so uh, I'll leave that to you and Rhonda for now. Well, and I'd be remiss to have not, you know, have a CEO on and not get his thoughts on 2024. What, what's the outlook look like? We're hearing a bunch of sure. things. What what are the things you look at and and how you start kind of planning out what to expect from a financial standpoint? Yeah, sure. So I, I will tell you, I'm not an economist and I don't want to be one. Um, I, you know, I, I, I got an A in a, all my economic classes in college, uh, but I couldn't tell you what I learned <laughs> all those years ago. So, um, you know, I do read a lot. I study a lot. Um everybody's going to tell you a different opinion and I try to get different opinions and I try to marry them and, and, and kind of see what resonates. And, and, and I will tell you too, in South Louisiana, especially uh, for better or for worse. And sometimes it's both. We are insulated from some of the national trends, especially in the economy. Our housing market is very different. You know, our insurance market, unfortunately is very different. Um, spending, you know, just the local economy is just very unique, here, especially in the new Orleans area. And so I always try to take that with a grain of salt when I'm listening to these national, you know, people talk about the economy and this, that, and the other. But I also try to think about just the regular everyday member, right? The person that's just going to work, picking up kids, going to ball practice, going to church, you know, going out to dinner. What, what What's going to be their impact? And so I will say this, inflation, of course, as you all know, has been a huge problem. You know, um, people are spending thousands and thousands of dollars more in 2023 than they did in 2022, just for everyday life, gas, groceries, you know, travel, you name it, everything has gone up. Every, every restaurant has increased their prices, so on and so forth. And so I'm really glad to see that, you know, I do believe inflation is, is getting better. Um, is it pre pandemic? No. Um, do I think it will go back to pre pandemic in 2024? Me personally? No, I don't. 
but I, I think we will see some relief in 2024 when it comes to inflation. Um, I definitely think you will see, you know, the feds, the federal reserve had, had a meeting this past week, in fact, uh, and they were, they were much more, um, open about the idea that, you know, we're going to start seeing some federal fund rate go down, some decrease there next year. And the market reacted. Right. Yeah, of course. I mean, the stocks and everything just had a, had a a heyday with that. It's what everybody wants to hear. Uh, But they got to be careful. You know, I I love history. And so um, if you go back and look at the eighties, we were in a very similar situation in a lot of regards. And the federal reserve was very quick to lower the rates after a high inflation period and it costs a second dip, you know, they, they did it too fast. And I hope at least that they're being mindful of that and, and they're going to be careful w- with that. Um, but I don't think your average everyday member cares about all that. Really. They care about, okay, what's my car rate going to be? What's my mortgage rate going to be? How much are my groceries going to cost? So I, I think you will start seeing my prediction of take it for what it's worth uh, middle of next year, May, June, July of 2024, you'll start seeing some some mortgage rates go down of significance, right? I'm not talking about a quarter of a point because that really doesn't do much. Okay. Um, car loans going down. I think you're really going to start seeing uh, liquidity issues free up in the in the banking sector. And so, you know, I think the first half of the year could be similar to now, um, you know, potentially maybe even a little worse in some, some regards, but also better in some regards and about middle of the year next year, you're going to see some movement. So I think it'll be a good year. I think 2023 has been very challenging year in the banking world. Um, You know, we had obviously all the banks that uh, had issues (laughs) earlier in the year. And um, you know, it was a different crisis than, than the recession, the great recession. Um, And so for different reasons, it wasn't uh, overextended mortgages. It was liquidity. And, and that really became the big issue. And so that's been forefront of our minds. I don't think that's going to ease any in the first quarter or second quarter of 2024. So again, my prediction is is middle of the year 2024. Uh, we are going to start really feeling things ease from liquidity and interest rate and cost standpoint. So I'm hopeful, but you know, um, I don't think anything magical is going to happen for a couple of months. And we got it now recorded, you know, so we can go back and see right or wrong. Right? <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> you can see right yeah. or wrong. Well, I have, a, I have a disclaimer right at the beginning that I am unqualified <laughs> economist. So. <laughs> well, look, um, like I said, we're, uh, it's a, it's a Friday afternoon that we're recording this. I appreciate you making some time. I yeah, know you've got, you got to go toast some, some people upstairs, some new employees. That's right. Every, every, path. every new employee of on path, we, we end their first day with a champagne toast in the CEO's office. And, um, I'm told they love that. So, uh, so we, we do that. Had I been thinking ahead, I would have had your your, your margarita waiting for you right here. Oh, but, but I did. We'll have to we'll have to get that on the on the next one. But um, all right. Well, man, I, I appreciate it. Inaugural guest on the inaugural show. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Targeted Impressions again is a product of Thirty One Thirty One Media Solutions, a full service advertising agency. Reach the right people at the right time with the right message. Take care. God bless. And Merry Christmas. You got a little-